Should investors be encouraged to invest in private equity funds in their retirement plans? There are some big warnings you need to know before you jump in. It is Saturday, June 6th, and this is Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And coming to you from outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show, I'm Joe Salcihai. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. Today's show is brought to you by Tiller Money, your financial life in Google Sheets, automatically updated each day. It's the most flexible way to track your finances in one place. So it is either Google Sheets, by the way, or you can also use uh, Microsoft Excel to decide if you like it or not, do it for free. And then if you decide you like it, uh, use our link, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. And Bobby, they will give you 10% off your annual subscription. So big thanks to Tiller Money and congratulations to everybody who used our link because that also helps the show, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. Big day today in investing land or lately this week, you know, there's a lot going on, Bobby, in the world. Paula and I talked about it over the last couple days. You and I are going to talk about something that's kind of been a little inside baseball while attention's been elsewhere. And that is this idea that there might be, there might be new stuff coming to your 401k plan. And I love that you say this is insider baseball or what, I don't know what, what the right term is. You, you guys know I'm not a sports person, but the point is it should be a mainstream conversation because it affects pretty much everyone who's ever had a 401k plan or an IRA. And we'll get into why I'm saying that. Yeah, we'll stop foreshadowing now. We'll get into it. Let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. This is Andy from the Inspired Money Podcast. Just like hanging out and chatting about the news. That's why I tune in to Money with Friends. All right, today's piece is uh, from Investment News, which, you know, we talk insider baseball. Uh, this is actually a website where financial advisors, financial planners, uh, it's what they call an industry rag uh, for for inside baseball finance finance people. But I always find it fascinating to ha hang out there. I also find it fascinating, Bobby, to talk about this, uh, this site a fair amount because I often, when I was a financial planner, I saw people inside financial, you know, inside Wall Street, people that, that, that manage money, talking about completely different stuff than Main Street's talking about. And I think the more we can bridge mm -hmm. that, we're all in the same conversation, the better we are. But this is written by, who is it written by? Uh, Mark Schaff Jr. Uh, Department of Labor encourages use of private equity funds in retirement plans. The Department of Labor on Wednesday assured retirement plan providers they can include private securities in funds that they offer to their individual account participants. In an information letter responding to a question from Pantheon Ventures, the Department of Labor said the firm can offer private equity investments as part of a multi-asset target date, target risk, or balanced fund. A plan administrator would not violate the fiduciary requirements of federal retirement law solely because a fiduciary offers a professionally managed asset allocation fund with a private equity component, the letter said. The Department of Labor said that encouraging the prudent use of private 
equity would help boost retirement account diversification and performance in defined contribution plans. Defined benefit retirement plans already can utilize private equity. This information letter will help Americans saving for retirement gain access to alternative investments that often provide strong returns. Labor Secretary Eugene Scalia said in a statement, the letter helps level the playing field for ordinary investors and is another step by the department to ensure that ordinary people investing for retirement have the opportunity they need for a secure retirement. Allowing ordinary retirement investors to access private securities markets has been a priority for Securities and Exchange Commissioner Chairman Jay Clayton, who endorses the Department of Labor's move with the statement contained in the DOL's press release. Uh, Anya Coverman, Senior Vice President and General Counsel at the Institute for Portfolio Alternatives, welcomes the DOL's guidance. It's a big step toward giving plan participants access to the same range of investment tools and portfolio diversification that's traditionally been used successfully by defined benefit plans. Investor advocates blanched at the DOL's effort to ease private equity into retirement accounts, citing the opaque nature of unregistered securities. The last thing the Department of Labor and Securities and Exchange Commission should be doing is directing more investment money from transparent public markets to high-risk, dark private markets, said Dennis Kelleher, chief executive at Better Markets. One of the criticisms of private equity funds is their high fees. The California state pension system, for example, disclosed several years ago that it paid 700 basis points in private equity fees. The Department of Labor should have been more cautious about opening the door to private equity, said Tyler Gelash, executive director of Healthy Markets Association. The pension and retirement community's track record with private equity has been mixed at best. The fees and risks associated with investments in private funds compared to public funds may be significant. It frankly is the opposite direction I would hope that the DOL would be taking to protect the retirement funds of millions of Americans. But David Levine, a partner at Groom Law Group, says the DOL is properly focused on the mix of investments that can generate better returns. Quote, having a portfolio diversifying alternative allows you to create a more holistic framework for retirement wellness, said Levine, whose firm represents Pantheon Ventures. Note there. It's almost more dangerous to limit the tools that retirement savers can use. Teresa Gilarducci, an economics professor at the New School for Social Research, said private equity can be a healthy part of a well-managed long-term portfolio. Quote, most 401ks are not well-managed and are often used for short-term purposes, she wrote in an email. Private equity in 401ks is a half step towards solving the fatal flaws in the voluntary, individual-directed, for-profit 401k system. Christine Lazaro, a law professor at St. John's University, cautioned, that ordinary investors don't have the background to parse private equity. Quote, by exposing non-accredited investors to private placement through the context of their retirement accounts, they are being subjected to risks that they don't always have the ability to assess and knowingly accept, she wrote in an email. Boy, let's, let's, uh, there's so many places, so many things we need to, to define. So the first thing they talked about is that define benefit plans already have access to these types of investments and uh, defined contribution plans don't. So we should explain first, Bobby, what a, what a defined contribution, defined benefit plan is. So defined contribution, we know what we're putting in. 
the contribution is defined. We know what we're putting in. We don't know what might come out. It depends on how the investment does. So when I think defined contribution, that would be 401k, 403b, 457, right? I mean, uh, Roth IRAs. Yeah, Roth IRA, IRA. Good point. Uh, Defined benefit, we're really not putting a lot in or we don't know what we're putting in. Somebody else is usually putting it in for us. It doesn't matter. You're getting out what they tell you you're getting out. You're getting X amount out. The benefit's defined. So that would be a pension plan. Uh, mm-hmm. In those in those cases, in an in annuity, if you annuitize it, is a defined uh, benefit instrument. So um, uh, that's the first thing. Is it, so now defined contributions, meaning I can put my money instead of in a in an, in a uh, mutual fund uh, in inside of one of these accounts, I could put it into uh, some type of a hedge fund instrument, uh, like we can do outside with our money. What do you think about that? Yes. Well, I think what's interesting is that IRAs have a lot more freedom. With an IRA, you can, in just in a general IRA, you can buy individual stocks. You can buy basically anything you can buy in a brokerage account pretty easily, you can buy in an IRA. So if you take your 401k money, when you leave a job, which I did, when I left my job, I took it and moved it directly into an IRA. You can choose any investment and you can also be very um, selective about the fees. One of the complaints people have about 401ks is that you only are allowed to choose from a defined list of investments that maybe the HR company has outsourced to a brokerage firm and they select these are your eight options for investing and you're kind of stuck among that group. With an IRA, you can do pretty much anything that's a mainstream investment. And even with IRAs, and we've talked about this, you could do a self-directed IRA, which is more complicated to set up and do all kinds of other things, which is very complicated and not a mainstream thing to do. So the first question is why the difference between the 401k and the IRA? Why are they so different? And, and there's only one answer to that which is that the way the law is set up now, and, and this, by the way, I, I think is the linchpin here about why you shouldn't be allowed to do it. And actually, even before I get to that, let, let me ask you another question, but, but because I think that these are kind of, these are dominoes one after another, which is, which is that uh, there was a quote in here that said that the average investor doesn't really know what they're getting into when it comes to some of these private placement investments, meaning they're not public. Sometimes you might be locked in, right? Sometimes uh, uh, you're investing in derivative type investments that are incredibly complicated. Does the average investor have the tools to be able to evaluate the risk versus reward of these investments? Do you think so? I'll do you one better. Does the average investor even understand at all what they're choosing? I think there's a lot of randomness going on in the 401ks. I don't think they're getting advice at all. I think that they have the tools if they're motivated to learn. But I think most people, it's a check the box thing. I know with one young person I advised, um, I said to pick a, you know, the S&P, basically something that mirrored an index fund just to get started. And because it had a similar name to something, believe it or not, that it was a fixed income fund, they initially went to check the wrong box yeah. and would have gone on for right. years with the wrong investment. Yeah. I think we're, we're even steps before that. But that's the point. answer. But that's, that's the answer. I think not even close. I think that the answer is no. The average no. person does not have the tools 
does not have the tools to be able to know. And, 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 and maybe they do have the tools. I mean, they have Google. They don't know what they don't even know. They don't that's, know what they, that's the biggest problem. They don't know what they don't know. They yes. hear that wealthy people do this and, oh, that's a great thing. That said, I don't know that it, as I understand it, the question is, should they be encouraging it? I do believe it might already be. Maybe I misunderstand this. I think they're already included. It's a question of encouraging also yes, right. the debate that they, they can be included now. If this, if I understand what this ruling was, it sounds um, like they're pushing I don't know for the proper legal terms. Yeah. It's a question of, and now we're encouraging it. Is it diversifying? Sure. But so is a lot of investments that only accredited investors can participate in. And there's a reason you need to be accredited for those. I mean, we could all diversify into all kinds of crazy things. If we are accredited investors, that doesn't mean that the average person should be doing that. I remember uh, uh, a talk Chris Hogan gave once talking about, um, he was talking about how people have, he and, and I think it was in his latest book where he talked about people already have the tools. It isn't that we need more tools. You can get there with an exchange traded fund that mimics the basic markets. You do not need more comprehensive tools to get where you want to go. So, so I think investors don't have don't have the ability to, uh, to ask the right questions. I think that they don't have, um, uh, that they have the tools that they need without the complexity. I don't think they need it. But I also think, Bobby, that Big Brother telling me what I can and can't do really makes me angry, right? Yeah, it, it, and here's another issue is that we go by, because again, most people don't have the motivation or even know that they should go beyond this. And I've certainly been guilty of it myself. A fund in your 401k may be labeled as having one mission, but in fact, their paperwork will say that if they feel it's a better investment, they can go in a different direction. We did a story about this a few weeks ago where something may be labeled in one way, but in fact, they are not actually investing the way that their name gives you the impression they're investing. So we you really this. have to read the, the statements and all of the yeah. paperwork, the prospectus is the word I was looking for when you invest in a fund and understand what you're investing in. And the truth is most of us are just not going to do that. No. And it's, so, uh, well, you know. and, and I think you're referring to the meltdown we saw recently in the oil sector, right? Where, yes. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Where the biggest ETF in oil uh, needs to invest in, in these futures contracts and their prospectus says they can't. And it's what exactly what they do. So, so it's it's incredibly confusing. Yeah. Here's here's I mean, then the question is should people look we can do an individual stock in an IRA. Should, why don't why can't we do that in a 401k? I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's a good idea necessarily. I'm just saying why? If if we want freedom to do certain things, why is it still being edited? Here's the issue. The list of options. Here's what I think the issue is about a 401k versus an IRA. Doing it in an IRA, fine. Have at it. Doing it in a 401k. The way that 401ks um, uh, law works, I mean, we have seen so many lawsuits against 401ks. Why? Because the administrators or your company did not give you the tools to adequately understand the investment. And the fact that the employer, your employer can be held accountable when this stuff screws up, that's where I think this whole thing blows up. I think that I, I think yeah, Dave. If you want to blow yourself up, that's fine. But if you're if if I'm the employer and I can be held accountable because you blew yourself up and then you decide to sue me for that, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Like I want nothing to do with that investment. Which brings up a better thing, which is, you know, we we went from employer accountability, meaning that they gave you a pension, 
And then pension math didn't start working because we hopped around jobs way too much. 401ks came into existence and then we could invest there. But then really, I mean, the question at all is, and wouldn't it solve a bunch if we just decoupled retirement savings from your employer? Like I could go to my HR and I could take I could take whatever my retirement savings account is that I created myself and ask HR to hook it up. And we all had some code where like at a gas pump, I can hook up my gas pump to your retirement plan and I can then automatically funnel money into the plan. Why are those coupled together in the first place? I think is the question that not many people are asking. Could it be that the firms want to incentivize you to stay also because it's a benefit and also there's, I believe there's tax incentives for the companies. But the company, the company could still do that through their match, right? Through their matching gift. You could still have yeah. a tax incentive for them to match you. They don't have to match you, but hey, if they encourage people to retirement save, they right. get a nice big, so you can encourage employers to do that, but in a, but in a, but in a different way. Yeah. And it is interesting because a lot of people perceive, they believe that the employer is paying for the 401k, but in fact, the individuals are paying the fees. That is a open secret of the well, 401k system. And, and not in every case, actually. In the bigger, in the big cases, in the biggest of the big 401ks, generally your employer has the wherewithal to pay for it themselves and to lower the fees. But the smaller the company is that you're in, which tons and tons of people work in small companies, you're footing the fee you are definitely footing the fee because the employer a can't afford to and uh, can't. Yeah. The, 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 the rules are so onerous that the mm -hmm. only way for them to even offer the plan is to make it a, a, a plan where you foot the fee. Yeah. It's in, and the fees for the actual investments also, I guess, is what I meant. It's in addition, if you choose a mutual fund within that 401k that has high fees, you will, you know, the employer is not covering that. Well, no, but there's also all these administration fees. You have to, you, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the administrating a 401k is difficult. There are tons mm -hmm. and tons of rules. It's, you know, but, but you look at it as an example in the, in the, in the philanthropic community, um, when donor advised funds came around, like it used to be, you had to set up a foundation as you know, Bobby setting up a foundation is tons of money, right? But now many more average people can use a donor advised fund and do mm -hmm. a lot of what a foundation does without having to have all those onerous rules. It seems right. like, uh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're not going to be able to solve this problem today, but I, but I do think, well, you know what? We can save our big idea for what we think. I can't wait to hear what you have to think. Did we, did, did we ask our community what they think about this? Oh, I've totally forgot. We did. <laughs> we, we might we did. have. Yes. yes, our amazing producer, Ashley, did ask our community what that is. And I am pulling up our Instagram, which everyone should be subscribed to already. It is at Money Friends Pod for those, you know, few of you that are not already tuned in. The question, Joe, is do you think retirement plans that include the use of private equity funds are a good idea? Yes or no? What and did our Money Friends say? I'm going to come down. So I think I should be allowed to go there if I want to. However... In this context, I'm hoping we say no because of the fact that it, to the average person, it's not going to add anything. It, it isn't a tool that we need to get where we want to go. So I'm going to say 80% no. Well, you were in the right direction. It did, it was no, was the majority. And uh, it was 57%. But I think, so you read our audience correctly. But I think that the, the majority the, did say no. 
Yeah, and I, I, I mean, and and I don't know why people said what they said, uh, but but I do think that that's probably because people think we should be able to invest in whatever we whatever we want. I would guess. Yeah, and that is a very American thing. We should be able to invest in what we want. The problem that I have, by the way, with investing whatever we want, and this gets back to financial education and something else that we haven't solved, which is, if I invest in whatever the hell I want, and I blow myself up because I'm because I don't do the research. I know that that historically other people end up paying for my mistake later, right? So if if you blow up your retirement plan and you don't have enough money and a lot of people do that, then there becomes a call for we need to help older people fund that and so it ends up costing the rest of society more. So on one hand I go, yeah, we should. On the other hand I go, maybe we need some guardrails cuz I don't want to pay for you later when you mess it up. Well, this goes back to the three, the three legged stool concept of retirement, which is, you know, your own savings, social security, and what's the third one? Uh, the, uh, the, the pensions. The pensions. Yeah. Pensions. Yeah. The pensions That's already the broken. Social security yeah. broken. And that is the idea. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's an ugly thing. By the way, we we're hanging out live here on YouTube. If you want to hang out with us while we make the show, head to money with friends, YouTube page. It's youtube.com forward slash money with friends and subscribe. And you'll see when we go live and JM boots hanging out with us and says, it's our responsibility to pick the right funds for us, but we should not be led in the wrong direction. And, and JM boots, I totally agree with you. My, my issue too is, is when, when and where is enough direction, especially if it's your employer, if your employer gives you, where is the point where as an employer, I'm not going to be sued by you because you said I didn't give you enough, enough to make a good decision. I don't know where that point is. It's, that's incredibly difficult. But but that is is the crux. All right, um, Bobby, you almost ready for your big idea? Almost. We're going to give you time to think about it then uh, while I talk a little bit about Tiller money. Tiller is the place that I love to go to manage my money. The cool thing about Tiller money is it is a spreadsheet. And what I love about spreadsheets is I can get rid of all the stuff that I don't like about my uh, money management system because with a spreadsheet, I just delete those rows. And then I can come back and do all the things that I like. I can emphasize things that I like, get rid of the things that I don't. And the other cool thing is because I'm not a great spreadsheet creator, there's a whole community of people that create a spreadsheets. I've got tons of them to choose from at Tiller. So if you want to check it out yourself, it's tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. Not only can you try it out for free, but also when you decide that it's for you, you'll get 10% off your annual subscription by using our link. And that's also how you help the show. So thanks to you uh, for, uh, thank you for using our link, but also you'll be rewarded when you use our link, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. Bobby, what do we... What do we got uh, today? What's your what's your big takeaway? You know, Joe, I think that I like the idea of having more options and more investment tools. And the truth is right now, because we have so much information available on the Internet, if you want to put in the time to educate yourself about different things, you can and you can become a very smart, savvy investor and make the best choice for you. The truth is we don't we don't do that. <laughs> Let's be honest. We just don't do that. We don't people don't understand the risks and rewards of their choices. They think they do when the market's going up, right? But when the market goes down, 
they don't feel so good about that. So I think we have to think about not only what resources are being created for the everyday person who is going to have to be making these choices more and more and be responsible, at least at the initial level, for the decisions that they make. And this person is generally not going to be accredited and they may not have the understanding of the risks tied to private equity investments. So who is going to sit down with them and take ownership of educating them? Can we say if you want to do these kinds of investments, maybe you have to complete this kind of course and certify that you understand the risks, put in some kind of safety net so that it's available to people, but they also, we have to incentivize them to learn, to know. I think that's a better idea than what we have currently, which is this idea of, um, of uh, you have to have so much in assets. Um, you know, the credit investor rules are so arbitrary. Hey, if I, if I saved up X amount of money or maybe I didn't, maybe I won the lottery, like a lottery winner is a, can be an accredited investor. Credit investor is supposed to mean that you have the tools to be able to make these decisions. We've already shown that a lot of lottery winners don't have those tools. So those rules definitely need to be rewritten. And maybe it is a certification course that gets you there, which is why I come down on in, in, in two different areas. I mean, it gets back to financial literacy. We see all these financial literacy programs all over the place, Bobby, and studies show that most of them don't work. People, kids, you can teach financial literacy in schools and people's kids still, they will tell you all day what the right thing is and they will still do the wrong thing. And then the second piece is, is that, your employer is wrapped up in you blowing yourself up when it comes to using these plans. So even though I don't want people to, um, even though I don't want people to tell me what to do with my money, I have to say that for those two reasons, I come down on the side of whether these are available or not, which is I think beyond our pay grade, no matter what the department of labor does, don't use those. Don't, I would not, if I'm the average investor listening to the show, I would not use any investment product that I just don't understand. Some of these investments promise some phenomenal returns, but there's this thing, and I'm going to say something most people don't understand, just maybe as a proof here, called standard deviation. And when something offers you a much higher return, that means there's also much more downside. And by the way, there's no such thing as high up and no down. It, it, it always comes with this, this barbell swing. So no matter what happens here, Bobby, if it does appear in your, in your 401k, stay away, man. Stay away. Unless you know what you're doing. Unless you know what you're doing. Unless you can certify for yourself that you <laughs> but look yeah I, I i do i like the idea of having some kind of a qualification instead of a money uh line which as you point out is arbitrary why not just say if you want to invest in these investments take a take a little course weekend course make the companies offer it for free and let people educate themselves and say if you take this you can invest with hedge funds or whatever what's what's interesting about that and uh and and the show's already gone on long but 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 i i am a little curious and i think it's a good discussion and for today a short one i'm sure you learned a lot getting your cfp you like learn a lot so going much. through that certification oh yeah it was four months of non-stop information overload i was not a fun person to be around i remember but, uh, I, I learned a lot <laughs> well i remember another test the series seven that i had to take or some of the insurance tests i had to take i learned so much about how the systems work by having to pass those tests mm -hmm. i learned a ton I learned a ton I didn't yeah. use, but I also learned several things that I still use today just from having to pass that test. So I, that's an interesting concept. I'm glad you and I could Everyone solve the- study. We solved everything. 
today, Bobby. Saved all the problems of the world. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, you already mentioned where people get this on Instagram. Uh, t- tomorrow, we don't have a show, but on Monday, man, we've got another good one. We've got graduates having the weirdest graduation ceremonies ever, having hopefully unique graduation ceremonies. We're going to talk about uh, uh, lessons for the class of 220 from the class of 2008. That's coming up on Monday. We'll see you back here then at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Money with Friends.